changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Well, good evening and welcome to What's the Word this Wednesday night, the last Wednesday in the month of January the 29th. February is here. It'll be Valentine's Day soon. Before we know it, it'll be spring and the temperatures will be warmer than they are today. And we'll all say thank you, Lord, for that. But for the time being, we endure the cold and we thank God for another day. And I thank you for another evening that you've chosen to join me on What's the Word. And I'm also thankful to 101.9 WAIN, 1270 AM, and the 1019WAIN.com website for hosting this show live tonight. And the people that make this possible are the sweet folks that I have the privilege of pastoring at Columbia Baptist Church here in the heart of Adair County, Columbia, Kentucky. And we also have sponsors like Adair Drug. And so Janet Parrish and Carolyn Hale helped to sponsor this show along with Grissom Martin Funeral Home. Uh, David and Kathy Martin, their son Blake, and all the good folks that work there. They are great supporters of not only mine, but our church, and they help to make this show possible as well. So I'm thankful for them, and I'm thankful for you. Glad that you found me this evening, and hope that you'll stick with me for the entire hour. If for whatever reason you don't get to hear the entire show of What's the Word, you can catch this entire one-hour show on my podcast starting tomorrow morning. The podcast is called Walk This Way. You can find it on the website that hosts this my podcast, which is anchor.fm, and then you just type in anchor.fm backslash walk this way. It'll pull it right up. Or you can search Spotify, Google, iTunes, Pocket Cast, eight or nine different ways that you can find Walk This Way. I hope that you will, and you can find messages that I've preached. You can find all of the previous episodes, the 50-plus, almost 60 episodes of of uh, what's the word and you can find them all on that podcast so i hope that you'll do that and that will give you plenty of listening material with my voice and hopefully it won't get old but anyway i'm glad that you found me this evening and i just have a ton of stuff that i want to get to and i want to talk tonight about the incident over the weekend with the death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the other sweet folks that were on or inside that helicopter that crashed on Sunday out in California. It happened about 11 o'clock uh, Central Time, 9 o'clock in the morning out in California. I want to talk a little bit about that, some of the reactions to that. also have a article that I want to share with you about libraries and movie theaters. I think it'll be fairly interesting to hear. Um, also want to uh, talk to you a little bit about choices that people make about their influences in life. That was the theme of last week's show. And I just, I, I found this article and it's a, a little hard to believe. Along with some other tragedy, you know, I, I spoke a few weeks ago on Wednesday night on the show about the value of the human life. And of course, with Sanctity of Life Sunday and just honoring not only the memory of those aborted babies that our country has seen fit to call legal uh, over the last uh, many, many years since that verdict was rendered, but also just thinking of the, the just the value of life when it comes to adoption, when it comes to the human trafficking issue, you know, just several of those. I, I, I just, I threw out several uh, talking points, several articles, several instances where I thought that that was a valuable topic and, and some interesting perspectives, just different places that I found. But I also have another article this evening, you know, not just about 
the plane cra- or the uh, helicopter cl- crash, but also another article that just will leave people shaking their head, wondering, you know, what's what what do people think when it comes to the value of human life, not just their own life, but the the value of life that they are supposed to look after, that they are supposed to care for. You know, why are why do people seem to devalue breath in their lungs, heartbeats that they have, brain function that they're given? I I just I don't understand it. And so I have another a little bit of a shocking story to share with you tonight about that so that we can together make sense of things and see what does the Bible say about the value of human life Uh, again. So if you missed that show, it was two weeks ago. And then last week, my topic was what influences you? And so I have, I found another article that I thought was very insightful for that. And so I'll share that with you uh, this evening. So I'm, again, just kind of settle in. I'm thankful that you're here. As, as I mentioned, I have a lot that I want to get to uh, this evening, and I certainly hope that you are ready to listen to all that is on my heart to share with you tonight. I want to talk, first of all, speaking of influence, you know, there is a big deal, and I made a big deal last week, out of you know, the, the influence of entertainment, the influence of sports, the influence of, you know, where do you draw your motivation for life? And I found a, an interesting article that came from a survey. Uh, so you know how surveys goes uh, and, and polls, you know how those, those things go. Whether they're accurate all across the United States or whether they just reflect the population that they were interviewed, depending on how the poll was done, depending on how the survey was taken, this may or may not be accurate. And of course, I have a perspective on this, but this is about movie theaters and libraries. The article caught my attention because the title of the article was, quote, Americans are visiting libraries more than movie theaters. New poll finds. It said that young adults, women, and people from low-income households are the most frequent library visitors. Now, we're talking libraries with books. We're not talking about digital libraries that are available online. We're actually talking about libraries that you have to have a library card, check out a book, take it home. You have to bring it back in two weeks, which I'm assuming is still the case. Um, they were saying that the study showed, according to the Gallup study, it was published last Friday, that adults in the United States take an average of 10 and a half trips to libraries every year compared to five trips a year to movie theaters. I guess the number of five seems low to me, but this is basically going to a movie every other month. And I would believe that because movie theaters, when you think about just an an average run-of-the-mill younger adult, you may talk about a 28 to 38-year-old, if that's the range of their saying a young adult. They may go as far as 18 to 30. They didn't say exactly what the range was in age. It just said young adults. I could understand for a couple of reasons why that number would be so low. Because if you have small children, toddlers, you're not going to go to the movies very often. Uh, You might take your children when a good Disney movie comes out. But that might be two or three times a year. You might take your wife on a date, sir. Or you, you may go with some friends. Uh, Any young adult may go with some friends to a movie, but that may only happen a couple of times a year. I could see why five trips to a movie theater on average would be about right for young adults for lots of different factors. Uh, Movies aren't cheap, and certainly the snacks in a movie theater are not cheap. So I could understand that, you know, for 20 bucks or if you're going on a date, 
40 bucks if you buy snacks for your significant other along with yourself and movie tickets. Yeah, I could I could see where it would cost and it would be an outing. You know, this is not like an every other day or every weekend kind of a thing. And besides all that, there aren't that many good movies that come out that are really worth seeing that often anyway. Um, unless you're just a movie buff and you love to live in the movie theater and you have some kind of an annual pass that gets you in. I have a friend of mine that owns a annual pass and he can go see movies and he does. He might see two a week because it's an annual pass. You get in, you pay for this annual pass and you can see as many movies in a year as you want to. That's pretty rare. Uh, it's a lot cheaper if you're a movie lover, but it's pretty rare. Anyway, so I can understand how five would be, in my opinion, a little low, but we're talking the average of young adults. The issue that I have is the 10.5 trips to a library annually. Um, I've been an adult, if we're going down to 18, you know, I've been an adult for most of my life. If we're going down to the age of 18, um, the annual trips to a library for a young adult, not counting, I would think, not counting the, um, you know, the times when I was in high school before the internet came out, home computers and all, didn't have those. I needed to go to the library, but I also think this is probably counting college students, probably counting students that have to go to the library to check out books for papers that they're writing. These are not 10.5 annual trips to a library for fun, casual reading. I also think that it could be that some of these young adults are taking their fourth and fifth and sixth graders, or maybe their middle schoolers, if they're, again, depending on how frequent or how uh, rather how uh, the range of age goes, they're probably taking their kids to the library because they're doing research for school. And their children may not have a library card, and so this young adult swipes theirs or however it works. And I, I, would, I would tend to think between college age and having younger kids, yes, I would agree that 10.5 trips to a library in a year a little less than once a month, on average, would be about right uh, for college students, for master's level students, for doctoral level students, PhD level students. I, yeah, I could understand that because the need is there. What the article tends to assume is that the trips to the library are equal in fun and equal or, or, or more important and higher in priority than a trip to the movie theater. I take exception to that. Not because a library is not fun, not because reading is not fun, but I do think when you really stop and think and you take these numbers and really dissect them, I think you could make sense to say, well, of course it would make sense that a young adult has probably less time, less money, less opportunity to go to a movie theater, and more need and more responsibility to visit a library, not only for themselves, but for their education, you know, for themselves in terms of fun reading, but also for themselves for education or for their children, for checking out books and resources and things like that. I really don't think that there is a, a rise in young adults going to libraries and this, and this insurgence of reading and this downward trend in movie going. Um, you know, you don't see awards given for book readers, but you do see awards given for movie makers and actors and actresses in movies. You know why that is? Because people go to the movies and they spend millions of dollars or millions of dollars are spent making movies and paying actors because people are still go still going to the movies and awards are still given. Again, I'm not downplaying going to a library. I'm just saying an article like this throws in your face to say 
well, everybody's going to a library. Nobody's going to a movie. People are going to a library twice as much as they're going to a movie. Yeah, because they have to, not necessarily because they want to. But I will say this. There's a lot more value in using your brain in opening a book, diving in with your imagination, reading something that is well-crafted, rather than just being visually stimulated in a two-hour movie. A two-hour movie comes and goes. A book might take you a week. It might take you a month to read, depending on how often you have to read. But the book and a Kindle and digital libraries where you can download books to your Kindle, um, digital libraries where you can download books on your computer, Actually going to a library with peace and quiet or going to a bookstore that's relatively quiet and sitting with a book in your hand. You know, we're actually talking about using more of your brain with your imagination and with your attention span. It helps your vocabulary. I mean, let's be honest. When you go to a, if, if you go to a PG-13 movie, it's going to make an impact on your vocabulary, not in a good way. And certainly if you go to an R-rated movie, where it's predominantly rated R because of violence and language, it's going to impact your vocabulary in not a good way. So I will just say that while I take issue with the numbers in the article, I also understand that the value of reading has to be higher than the value of just two-hour entertainment that's, that's mostly visual. So what does this have to do with the Bible? It has everything to do with the Bible. Because if, as a Christian, you have lost the ability to open up the Bible and read it and use your, the, the pictures in your mind and your imagination to see where Jesus is walking, to imagine how he spoke to the disciples, and you put some imagery in your head of Elijah calling down the power of God from heaven and, and, and fire coming down to consume and a, uh, a sacrifice. Or you can imagine, speaking of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into a fiery furnace or Daniel in the lion's den or David and Goliath. If you can really kind of replay those scenarios in your mind while you're reading the word of God and all while giving God the glory for everything that he has done and recorded in his word, Think of the power of that. But you see, the easy thing to do is to not own a Bible, come to church, let the pastor read it for you, listen as though a sermon is entertainment, and sit there and hope to be entertained of some variety in a sermon, and then walk away unchanged. That's not going to help your Christian life any at all. The value, just like the article was suggesting, of going to a library, opening a book, pouring into it, and letting it pour into you, think of the immeasurable spiritual investment the Word of God can make to you if you will make the time to read. Read the Bible for all it's worth. That's a, a great book. If you ever want to invest in a book that you can buy off Amazon, Reading the Bible for All It's Worth is a great book to help you to learn how to read the Bible. There are Bible reading plans on your smartphone, on the computer. You can search for Bible reading plans. It will keep you in the Word of God faithfully, and you don't even have to go to a library to, get it, to, to, to do it. You don't have to walk into a, a, a library to read the Bible. And so I just want to challenge you that just like they are showing young adults going back to libraries, whether they want to or whether they have to, we need to read the Bible. It's not a want to or a have to or I'm supposed to. It's, it's rather we need to read it. We need to let God's infallible word that speaks to our soul no matter what, no matter where, and no matter when, we've got to let the, the Word of God speak to us and have a healthy diet of it. And, and look, you might go to the movies more than five times a year. You might walk into a library more than ten times a year. 
But I guarantee you that if there was an actual survey of how often do you read the Bible, there probably would be a shocking number, and I'm sure the surveys are out there. But if there was a survey of how often do you open the Bible and read it, there would be a shockingly low number of times in a month or in a year that people actually read the Bible on their own in a disciplined way because they want to, because they need to, and because they desire to hear what it says. I thought the article was fascinating, and I also thought that it would make a great jumping-off point to just say, look, we get a lot of our entertainment and our, a lot of our influence from movies and music and magazines and the Internet. We need to get into the Word of God. Now, whether, Like I said, whether you go to a library because you have to, whether you go to a library because you want to, go to the Word of God because you need to. And let this be an encouragement to you to begin some kind of a Bible reading plan today. You don't have to wait until next January the 1st to say, I'm going to read the Bible through all the way in a year. Start the clock today. Say, by this time next year, by January 29th of 2021, I will have read the entire Bible through uh, in that calendar year. Don't wait to make goals. Make goals today, and especially when it comes to reading the Word of God. So before I get to the helicopter crash with Kobe Bryant, I read an article the other day. Um, I just, it, it just blows my mind. You know, when I mentioned at the top of the hour about why do people do what they do? Why did they make decisions that they make? There were actually two, you know, just thinking of not only the value of the human life, but also why people make decisions that they make. There's a young, a young lady named Tristan Watson, and she was hiking in the Rocky Mountain National Park. This was over the weekend. And she, to, to spare some of the details, she took the life of her 17-month-old son in, on Beaver Meadows Trail in Denver, right outside of Denver, Colorado. And she took the life of her 17-month-old son, she, 24, then turned the gun on herself, took her own life, and she was also pregnant the, with a girl. Uh, they found the bodies on Monday, and there are just no words, uh, especially for the husband of the young lady and the father of not only the 17-month-old son, but the unborn daughter. And, you know, his words were, he said, quote, I've been trying to find the words, but I simply have no words for the pain that my family is going through right now. Three lives taken far too soon, he said. And then, of course, he said in, in the article, if you or anybody you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please reach out to professionals. Reach out to somebody. I don't know why this lady took her life. I don't know why she decided to take the life of her 17-month-old son. I don't know why she decided not to give life to the daughter that was developing inside of her. But for whatever reason, this woman felt as though life could not, would not, and should not go on. Three lives in the hands of a 24-year-old young mother, now all of them gone. Um, I've, I've done many articles in the past on unfortunate events that have happened, whether they were deaths, suicides, murders, whether they were, or whether I was talking about abortion, like I did a couple of weeks ago on the value of human life. But I just don't understand with as much of an emphasis that the world seems to place on life. You walk into walk into Walmart, walk into any local pharmacy. 
You will see allergy medicine, reflux medicine, headache medicine. You will see things that are pharmaceutically geared to help people have a higher quality of life. People go to doctors and they get on prescription pain medicine when they have surgery. They take antibiotics to rid themselves of sickness. We have a country where most people in, in the United States have more medicine in their medicine cabinet or in their drawer than some people do in an entire village in some poor places in the world. And then we have a story like this, where in a country where we value being well, being healthy, being maintained, be taken care of, where we as a country value that, we have a story like this. I don't understand it. I don't understand why the extreme of any person, especially a young mom who is given the task of raising children that she brought into the world, or one that she did, one that she was was working on bringing into the world, and why just seemingly for no reason whatsoever, completely senseless, completely out of the blue, no clues, no warning signs, no reaching out to anyone, all of a sudden, one day, her life, her son's life, and her unborn daughter's life, life, it's all gone. And there's just no words. I want to encourage all of you, value your own life. Because when you do, you will value the life of others. If you learn to value the life that God has given to you and you appreciate and value every breath, every heartbeat, every brain function, every one of your limbs moving and your spine and nervous system and blood flow, all of the wonders that make up the human body. When you begin to give God thanks and praise for the fact that your body functions the way it does, then you can look at other people and say, God has also blessed that person. God has gifted that person. God is using that person. God is still at work in this person's life. I just don't understand why we can't come to the place where we value the image of God. The Bible clearly says in Genesis chapter 1, when God created Adam, he created the first human being on this planet. He said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. We were crafted and created to have the personality of God, to like what God likes, to dislike what God dislikes, to think like God. We were created to have a relationship with our creator. And for a 24-year-old mother with a one-and-a-half-year-old son and an unborn daughter in her womb deciding in, in just a split-second moment, which obviously took some planning because she brought a gun along, but she had plenty of time to change her mind before the triggers were pulled just decides to end life. I want to encourage you, value what God values. Look at what God has given us and thank him for it. Thank God for the food that you have. Thank God for the rest that you get. Thank God for how he takes care of you and provides for you. Thank God for the friends that you have. Thank God for the life that you have in every single breath. I, you know, I, it just, it, it hurts to think that someone would get that low, that depressed, that frustrated, that hopeless, and not want to at least reach out to someone and say, I need help. And friend, I'm telling you, if that's you, if, if there is something going on in your life that you think is too big for you to handle, or if you just feel as though you have no hope and you feel like you've reached the end of your rope, please reach out to someone. Call me. 
Call Columbia Baptist Church. Email me, randy at columbiabaptist.com, and say, I need some help. I need some prayer. I need some answers. I need some counseling. I need something. Life is too precious, and it is way too short for us to give up on it, and especially to take the life of, of children that have so much of so much life ahead of them and not even to give them a chance to find out what their plan and purpose is in life. I don't understand it. So, like many of you, on Sunday, whether it was through social media or whether it was through some other news source, you heard around 11, noon, 1 or 2, that there was a helicopter crash in California. And inside of that helicopter were eight other people that were all unnamed, along with Kobe Bryant. Now, for those of you that don't follow basketball, the, the three of you that don't know anything about basketball, Kobe Bryant was taken in the NBA, drafted in the NBA, straight out of high school back in 1996. And his first year, 1997, he was a rookie sensation. I mean, nobody had ever seen a kid 18 years old ever play like that. This was pre-LeBron James, you know, before it became a real thing that high school students would just go straight into the NBA. But Kobe Bryant had what it took to make it. His dad was a former NBA player, and he had also played overseas where Kobe was born. And this kid was a phenomenon. Um, he was about the same height, weight as Michael Jordan, 6'6", had a lot of the same moves, had a lot of the same look to his game as Michael Jordan did during that time, seemed as though he patterned his game after him. But Kobe Bryant won in his career five NBA championships, three with Shaquille O'Neal, two others with the Los Angeles Lakers after Shaquille left, and recently retired at the age of 41 after playing, you know, 20 years in the NBA. But Kobe Bryant, as an NBA player, was great on the basketball court. Off the court, he had some problems. Uh, back in the early 2000s, 2004, I believe, Kobe Bryant was accused of rape. And Back 2003, he was accused of rape and had to own up to that in a press conference, uh, had a trial, all of that. Since that time, I don't remember hearing anything negative about Kobe Bryant. He had four daughters and enjoyed being a girl dad, enjoyed being uh, you know the, the father of all, all those girls. And, you know, it's, it, it shocks the world to hear somebody that you've watched on a stage because really that's what a basketball, a professional basketball court is a stage of, of sorts. You're paying lots of money to watch these guys play a game. It's very theatrical. But it shocks people when you hear of a death, whether it is tragic or otherwise, of somebody that you have watched and you admire. Now, the difference between a, a player a former NBA player who dies of cancer at age 70, as opposed to a guy who dies at the age of 41. And by the way, he wasn't 41 when he retired. I misspoke. He was 41 when he died. But it's, it's a tragic thing, and it shocks people. But it also reminds us of a couple of things, and that's what I want to reflect on tonight. But at the age of 41, Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash, probably equally as shocking as the fact that his 13-year-old daughter was on board as well, and she died in the, in the accident. Sarah and Peyton Chester also died in the plane crash. 
um, mother and her daughter. Obviously, the pilot, a baseball coach, and one of his children as well. It was just a tragic thing. And I think what shocks people so many so many times is not that somebody died or not that families died. Because honestly, and, and I don't mean to, to belittle the, 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 the point or to take some of the shock away, but people die every day. It's sometimes it's the manner in which people die is shocking and the time that they die or the age rather that they die, that's what is unexpected. We expect 80 plus, 90 plus year old people to have health concerns, to have heart issues, to have breathing issues and to pass away. And on some level, all of us understand that our life is going to end at some point. However, when you are recently retired from the NBA for, for winning five championships and earning millions of dollars and, are inside, and you're inside of a helicopter with your 13-year-old daughter, you don't expect that person to die. Not that way, not that young, and not at that time. You don't expect a baseball coach, a, a mom with a daughter who's, you know, in, in her early teens, you don't expect these types of things, and you certainly don't want these things to happen. It literally happens every day. There are thousands of people that die around the world at unexpected times and unexpected ways that because it's not on our news and it's not in our newspaper and it's not on our news feed, we just don't hear about it. But... This particular event did one thing that I took notice of. And along with people who idolize professional athletes, idolize professional musicians, there's the shock factor in, in somebody that you idolize who dies, in your opinion, far too young. And let's be honest, 41 is far too young. 13 is most definitely too young to die in a helicopter crash or of any sickness disease. I mean, it's just too young. And while it is unexpected, and, and certainly, like I said, people that idolize people in entertainment, sports people, it, it comes as a shock and a surprise to see them die that young. There's lots of things that have been put on social media about the career and about the achievements of somebody like Kobe Bryant and even the baseball coach. But that's not what surprised me. And that's not what caught my attention. You know, a lot of times, and, and I'll get to it, but a lot of times what happens is on social media and news outlets, they will put together a highlight reel of this person's greatest moments and play that and say, this is what we lost. This is who we lost. And yet, that's such a small sliver of that person's life. Yes, it's the visible part that you saw. But the game only lasted two and a half to three hours every night. There's still 20 plus hours of that person's life just in that day that had nothing to do with that game. Or just those handful of clips or those handful of highlights that you see. It would be like taking all of the sermons that I've preached in my life and finding out of the hundreds and hundreds of messages that I've preached, 10, 20, 30, one-minute clips of insightful things or impactful things that I've said putting all of those in a 30-minute, 20 to 30-minute highlight reel, playing that at my funeral and say, this is the man that we lost. While that's true, it's such a small part of my life. It's such a small part of Kobe Bryant's life to maximize his NBA career and minimize the other parts of his life. This is what amazed me about the reaction to the passing and the tragic passing of all of the people on that helicopter, inside that helicopter, from the pilot, 
to the parents, to the baseball coach, to Kobe Bryant, his daughter, here's what amazed me and gave me some pause in a positive way. People started talking about their families. People started talking about and sharing quotes or tweets or interviews and articles where somebody like Kobe Bryant mentioned his wife, mentioned his family, videos of after winning championships or after winning a big game of Kobe doing some kind of a, of a fun handshake with one of his daughters, sitting on the sideline watching a game with his arm around one of his daughters. All of a sudden, that's what started to flood the Internet. And what I appreciated the most is the fact that as Americans that idolize greatness and we idolize achievement and we idolize professionals and we put up on a pedestal people that do things that we're not able to do that we admire about them, whether it's preaching like what I do or teaching or whether it's playing a basketball game for millions of dollars or singing a song or playing an instrument or making a movie, you know, whatever it is that we idolize that we personally can't do, that's not all there is to that person. There are things that are far deeper under the surface about that person that so many times go unnoticed. And what I appreciated about at least what I saw in the social media world, Facebook, Twitter, those are really the only two that I pay attention to. But because on those, people will post things from other social media sources. ESPN had several people that were very close to Kobe Bryant or at least felt as though they were do some interviews and articles there were plenty of things that were flooding the internet and flooding the, the 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 into the face of people that were looking for stories about Kobe Bryant. All of a sudden, what I started to notice more was more and more stories about the person off the court. I even noticed stories about the last time Kobe Bryant went to church. I started noticing stories the 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 last game that he went to and like I mentioned earlier had his arm around his daughter there were tweets that were mentioned the last time Kobe Bryant sent a tweet to LeBron James who now plays for the Los Angeles Lakers and he sent a tweet of encouragement to him so these are things that have nothing to do with Kobe Bryant winning championships, nothing to do with Kobe making millions and millions of dollars. This is Kobe Bryant as a person. Now, I'll be honest, as a Boston Celtics fan growing up, I was not a Lakers fan. And so I was not a fan of Kobe Bryant until Shaquille O'Neal got there. I'm a Shaquille O'Neal fan. So I can appreciate, though Kobe Bryant on the court was not somebody that I said, man, I really like that guy. I really like the way he plays. I really like his style. I didn't. But these stories off the court made me appreciate the person that he became. Because early in his career, I didn't care for his style. 2003, he had the rape charge that came against him was not a big fan of his on the court, not a big fan of his off the court. But in these years that came after all of that, you begin to see the layers get peeled back and you see a person who is an actual person. I really appreciated that. And I think what we need to do, and this is my encouragement to you because this is my show, And the name of the show is What's the Word? I think all of us need to peel back the layers of other people and not just make a decision about somebody just solely based on what we see that everybody else sees. 
when you really stop and think about it, none of us have been given the right to be the judge and jury of anybody's soul or of anybody's, uh, ultimately of anybody's character. Because at the end of the day, there's always more to who that person is than what you know. You could be right in your judgment of that person, or you could be completely wrong. And because there is that possibility, all we can do is get to know that person, but ultimately trust that God knows who that person is, what makes that person tick, and where that person stands with him. I think too many times we take things on the surface and we define people based on what's out on the surface and not what is underneath. Now, look, I'm going to be honest and just and just say it like this. You're not going to get to know every single person in your life to the deepest core of who they are. You don't have the time, the energy, or the ability to get to know every single thing about every single person that you come in contact with. But I will tell you this. You will know more about the people in your life the harder you try to get to know them. The more insightful that you are in the behavior and the pains and the problems and the frustrations of other people, I pray that that makes you more compassionate toward what they're going through. Rather than just making an exterior judgment and say, oh, I know that kind of person. Oh, I see who that person really is. There's always more below the surface than what you'll ever see or understand. And so for the internet world and the people that posted highlight videos of Kobe Bryant on the basketball court, winning championships, making game-winning shots, doing amazing things with a basketball in his hand, that's fine. You know, enjoy that because that's what he was. Uh, That's what he did. He was a professional basketball player. But to the core of who he is on the inside, that's not all there is to it. I mean, you might work with people that you think, oh, that person is always that way. That person is always like this. That person is is so this or is so that. And it could just be what you see on the outside. I've said this many times. I think it is worth stating again. Everybody's dealing with something. You don't know what it is. Every single person is hurting on some level because of something. Some disappointment, some frustration about their life, some flaw that they have in their own character that they wish they could change, some deficiency in their life that they wish they could adjust, whether it's financial, whether it is their career, whether it's their education, whether it's a relationship that they're in. Everybody is dealing with some level of something that you don't know about. So be kind. But I would also say be interested. Find out about people. Ask them questions. Get to know people and do them a favor and pray for them. A man who's a member of our church, one of our deacons here at Columbia Baptist, recites often what another deacon said to him many, many years ago. He said, I'll pray for you if you pray for me. That's one of the best pieces of advice that I could give to you about other people. You have no idea what's going on in their life. You also have no idea how long they have left to live. I can guarantee you Kobe Bryant, when he woke up Sunday morning, put his 13-year-old daughter Gia in that helicopter, along with the other people in that helicopter, none of them said, today is the day we're going to die. They, it might have been in the back, of the, the back of their mind that something might happen. I mean, any person that gets on a, an airplane, a helicopter, or a train, or a bus, or even behind the wheel of their own car, at least in the back of their mind knows something could happen. The probability is pretty low, but it's possible. But I can guarantee you none of the people in that plane knew for certain That was going to be the day they were going to die, and that was going to be the way that they were going to die. You have no idea how long you have. You have no idea how long other people have. 
So be kind and be prayerful. Be interested in their life to find out how you can pray for them. You know, I read another story that I had seen this before, and I really kind of passed it off, but I, I had seen this before. There was a, a, a football coach in the state of Michigan who was suspended Monday after he made a statement in a student news site that he'd like to have dinner with Adolf Hitler. The name of the university is Grand Valley State University. And they said that they would, that the university said they would investigate. And unfortunately, his statement came on the 75th anniversary when the Auschwitz death camp was liberated by the Soviet army in 1945. But he said... This is prob- this is a quote from the coach. He said, this is probably not going to get a good review, but I'm going to say Adolf Hitler. When asked which historical figure he'd most like to have dinner with, he said, quote, it was obviously very sad and he had bad motives, but the way he was able to lead was second to none. He went on to say how he rallied a group and a following. I want to know how he did that. Coach said, quote, bad intentions, of course, but you can't deny he was a great leader. The way he was able to get people to rally around him was crazy. Um, Coach, there are so many historical figures that were great leaders that had people rally around them that did not kill millions and millions and millions of innocent people that you could sit down and have dinner with. And why you choose Adolf Hitler, who was clearly a insane person with insane motives of not secretly, but openly trying to rid the world of one race or one uh, type of people, the Jewish people, and to actually go on record to say, yeah, I'd like to know how he was able to do that. I'd like to know, this coach was saying, I, I, I'd like to know how Hitler was able to, to get a following like that. You're essentially saying you want to pattern your football career after the Nazi dictator who killed millions of innocent Jews. That's not a wise statement to make. And just like in the stories that I shared last Wednesday, we all have sources of influence. We all find places and we all find people that we trust to give us advice, to give us leadership, to give us insight into how they lived their life and what they did. And if I had a moment to give some perspective to this coach, what I would say to him is you cannot separate somebody like Adolf Hitler. You cannot separate their means from their motive. You cannot sit down with him and say, okay, uh, Hitler, I know that why you did what you did was insane and crazy. Just tell me how you did it. And I'm going to apply those principles of how you did what you did into my situation because why I'm doing what I'm doing is far different. You cannot separate the means from the motivation with somebody who had such a sick and twisted mindset of killing millions and millions of people in some of the most heinous, disgusting ways that Hitler did and actually go on record and say, I want to know how he was able to get a following. I want to know how he was able to be so successful and get so many people to follow him. It's just, not only is it unwise to say that on record, it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish for this coach to say that he would trust the leadership advice of a madman. That this coach 
over every person who has ever lived would be able to separate the means and the motive from Adolf Hitler, find the leadership principles in Hitler's brain, and apply those to a football team. Don't you think that if that was possible to do, somebody would have written numerous books on that by now? Somebody would have said, here is a recipe for success in leadership. Ignore the fact that it came from Hitler because he applied these principles in a gruesome way. But just look at what this guy was able to do. Let's duplicate that again, but let's put it toward a healthy, normal, somewhat harmless situation like football. Do you know why that kind of stuff doesn't exist? Because it's impossible to do. You cannot pattern your life after someone who is patterning their life, who has patterned their life after hatred. You cannot take the leadership principles of a madman who only wanted to kill people and say, I can apply that to my life. You've got to be careful. You have to be wise. You have to go through life with your eyes wide open, with your ears wide open, and your heart given to the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can be discerning between good advice and bad advice. The difference between moral leadership and immoral leadership is as different from heaven and hell, and you cannot separate the immorality from immoral leadership and just have leadership. It doesn't work that way. I was just shocked. I, I was absolutely shocked that this coach made those statements. Now, of course, Grand Valley State, the school where he was coaching in Grand Rapids, was quick to say that his comments don't reflect the school's values. And by the way, President John F. Kennedy and Christopher Columbus were his second and third choices. I don't think anybody would second guess those choices. Now, listen, John F. Kennedy's morals and maybe even Christopher Columbus, you know, people can look deep into their life. And John F. Kennedy's morals were not the best. I always wonder, why don't people say, you know, I'd like to sit down and have dinner with Jesus. I'd like to hear what Jesus has to say about leadership principles. I'd like to hear what Jesus said about how he was able to get disciples to follow him and then to go to the ends of the earth telling the world about him and being willing to die for the sake of the message of Jesus. Why? Why isn't Jesus a, a leadership principle type of, hey, I want to sit down and talk to him? Why did this guy have to say it off Hitler? Why does the brain go to the most bizarre, extreme, weird, immoral, dictatorial leader in, in, in human history, perhaps? Hey, you could make an argument that there were worse. But why not say Jesus? Again, with your influence, with who influences you, you've got to be careful. This is why I value the time that I have, this one-hour show that I have, to hopefully be an influence on you. I want to be a positive influence, and I want to point you back to Jesus Christ. I want to point you back to the Word of God. I want to point you back to the Holy Spirit. I want to point you back to Jesus and help you to keep your eyes fo focused on Him. And I hope and pray that I do that. Every single time that I get behind a microphone. Thank you so much. And any other time, uh, whether there's a microphone or not, I want to be a good influence. But thank you for making time to spend this hour with me. If you didn't get to hear all of it, go to my podcast. You can find it on lots of different sites. It's called Walk This Way. You can find the entire one-hour episode of this show beginning tomorrow morning. 
I hope that you have a great rest of the week. Thank you for joining me. Thank you again to 101.9 WAIN and 1270 AM for making this possible. Have a great rest of the week. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN, right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of Uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.